Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope that you're all still safe and well and that you're enjoying whatever it is you do in your holiday season. I've been busy. I published a book. <laughs> um, it's a collection of short stories. And I'm really, other than the concept of humanism, um, that colors pretty much everything I write. Um, they have nothing to do with classical civilization. Um, the majority of them predate my degree in classical civilization. Uh, yes, they are. They're that old. Um, but if you're interested, there's a link on the blog to where you can find find a copy. Um, my current writing project, however, is much more aligned with classical civilization. Uh, I'm not sure how long it's going to take me to get that ready for publication, but I will definitely keep you in the loop. Um, I'm also considering setting up a Patreon in the new year. Um, it all depends on how much other work I have going because creating bonus content for patrons might be a bit more than I can manage. But maybe um, if, if, I don't, if I don't have enough, enough other paying gigs, um, I think that that might be a nice way to, to do some more work here on the podcast that I'd really like to do um, and not worry so much about paying the bills. I will, um, I will keep you posted. But on to today's episode, which I should start talking about these. Stop. I should stop talking about these other things because it's, I think it's going to be a long one. Um, <laughs> today we have another tragedy from Euripides, sort of. Um, Ion is another play that you read and you wonder how it's going to end anyway, except for happily, because, you know, the the way the events are described, it just doesn't seem like it can possibly end as a tragedy. And and it does. It does have a happy ending. Um, so it's not as darkly tragic as a lot of what we've read and a lot of what we still have to come. Um, but as you'll see in the summary, it is it is far from a comedy. Um, trigger warning, content warning on this one that it, it this this play deals with sexual assault. It is. It doesn't. It does not have a happy framing story. Um, but it's another play. You know, it, it, it's so it's not not a comedy, but it's also not really a tragedy. It's a problem play. Uh, so anyway, this is another play for which we don't have an exact date. Um, it's around four fourteen BCE, probably um, plus or minus five years, probably on either side. Um, and it's it's like a lot of Euripides plays. Um, it's, really ahead of its time in both um, structure and complexity and really some of the the themes that we'll deal with. The play is set in Delphi outside of Apollo's temple, one of my favorite places. It's a beautiful spot. Um, The characters include our title character, Ion, who is the son of Creusa and Apollo. Uh, Creusa is a character in this play, but Apollo is not. It's very interesting that Apollo never appears, um, even though he's plays a major role but he never he never shows up um Creusa is the queen of Athens um which means that her husband uh, Kuthus is the king of Athens um and there's the typical assortment of servants um you know who are unnamed but may have lines uh since we are at Delphi we get to meet uh the Pythian priestess which is pretty cool she doesn't have a name but I, those women really weren't known by their name. They were known by that title. It was so such a revered title to have to be the Pythian priestess, priestess right? Um, 
And uh, the final named characters um, are the gods that do appear in this play, Hermes and Athena. Again, no Apollo. It's about him, but he's not there. Um, and the chorus consists of Creusa's handmaids. Um, I'm, again, working from Paul Roche's translation. I'm sure you can easily find other translations for free online. Um, so with that background, we'll take a short break before diving into the plot. The play opens at dawn. Hermes enters and provides the prologue. He starts at the beginning. Atlas's daughter is Maya, and then Maya and Zeus had Hermes. What this has to do with the rest of the story? Who knows? It really has nothing to do with the rest of the story, but Hermes wants us to know that. Um, he then explains that he's the god's errands boy, which is why he has come to Delphi. You see, there's this other city, um, you know, the one that Athena really likes, and Eric Theus lived there, and his daughter is Creusa. And it was in Athens that Apollo, to quote Roche's translation, forced his love on Creusa. And she hid until their baby was born, a boy. And she took the baby to the cave where Apollo had raped her, and she left it there. Either Apollo would step up or the baby would die. But she still followed her ancestral customs of including some trinkets, um, including a golden snake in the, tr in the cradle. And this will all become important later. Apollo, of course, saw what she was doing and sent Hermes to rescue the baby and leave him on the doorstep of his temple in Delphi. At first, the Pythian priestess was livid that some local peasant had dumped her baby at the temple, but, you know, babies are cute for a reason, and she couldn't resist caring for him. So the baby grew up and now is the custodian of the temple. Meanwhile, Creusa has never told anyone about what Apollo did to her. She's married Kuthus, who is not from Athens, and together they now rule Athens. Um, but they have no children, so they have come to Delphi to ask the oracle for help. Hermes then goes on to tell the audience that everything that is going to happen in the rest of the play. Um, spoiler alert, I'm not going to tell you because I've got the rest of the play to explain it. Um, <laughs> Hermes exits just as Ion enters. He sweeps and sings about the shrine and Apollo and how he has to scare the birds away because, well, you know what birds do. And as his song ends, the chorus enters. And they are your stereotypical sightseers. Um, I, I can just like picture them with their binoculars and cameras and ooh and you know someone holding a little flag to keep them all together um <laughs> they I but honestly I really can't blame them um Delphi is it oh it, Delphi is gorgeous I I love Delphi um I think it's a great place to visit today so I can only imagine like knowing what it looks like today how awesome it must have been when all of the temples were still standing and everything was fully painted and and it wasn't in ruins, it had to be absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, anyway, in their song, they describe all of the things they see, ending with the young man they see standing in front of the temple, which would be Ion, of course. Ion reminds them of the rules. Um, that, you know, not just anyone can enter the temple. And they agree to behave and say that their mistress, the Queen of Athens, had given them permission to go sightseeing. So that's all that they're doing. Um, and with perfect timing, Creusa enters. Ion approaches her and asks why she's crying. She only says that Apollo's temple reminded her of a bad point in her life. I quote, 
Ah, what we women endure when the gods go sinning, which I think pretty much sums up every single story about gods impregnating mortal women. Um, She introduces herself. Ion is in awe because he's heard about her and her family. And she confirms the stories. Yes, her grandfather, Eric Thonius, really was born from the earth with a little help from Athena. Yes, she gave baby Eric Thonius to be raised by the daughters of Kecrops, um, provided they didn't look at him, which of course they did, which of course killed them. Um, yes, her father, Eric Theus, sacrificed her sisters. Creusa survived that ordeal because she was still a baby. I'm not sure exactly why that worked, but that's what she says. And yes, the earth swallowed up her father after he did that. Ion asks about a place called the Beetling Cliffs, a place sacred to Apollo. Creosa knows of it. She hates the place. She and the cave share a shameful secret. Ion then asks about her husband. Creus explains that Cuthus is the son of Aeolus and therefore descended from Zeus, but he's not an Athenian. He formed an alliance with Athens and helped them defeat another city, and his reward was to marry Creusa because women were property. Yay! (laughs) Anyway, they have come to Delphi together, uh, but he stopped to consult the Oracle of Trophonius on his way to consult the Oracle of Apollo. And it's, it's the usual question, why can't we have children? Creusa then asks Ion about his history. He doesn't know it. He's an orphan as far as he knows. He was raised by the oracle herself. He's never looked for information on his parents because he doesn't even know where to begin. Creusa says that she empathizes with his mother. She wants to ask Apollo for an oracle in private, and Ion insists that she must go through him. And finally she agrees, but instead of telling her story, she does the typical thing about, you know, she's talking about this friend that she has and you know this friend was raped by Apollo and became pregnant and exposed the baby and never had another child and she's very conflicted about what she did the exposing of the baby um Ian suggests that maybe Apollo rescued the child and Creusa thinks this would be very mean of him because that would mean he he got to be the parent to their child he hoarded the joy of parenting and didn't let her know that he was still alive, which of course is exactly what happened, except he didn't really do much parenting. Um, She tells Ion that his mother, Ion's mother must feel the same sorrow over having given him up. She knows how his mother must feel. She literally is his mother, but she doesn't know that that. Um, So yeah, at this point, neither Ion nor Creusa has any clue that they are talking about each other. Um, And it really will take most of the play for them to figure that fact out. Ion tells her that she probably shouldn't go accusing Apollo of these actions in his own house. Apollo has been known to smite people. Um, Creusa doesn't go into the temple, but she does yell at it before she sees Cuthus coming. She tells the chorus not to tell him about their conversation. Cuthus enters. He says that the oracle of Trophonius said that they wouldn't leave Delphi without a child, and then he exits into the temple. Creusa says a brief prayer and exits. Ion soliloquizes about the woman he just met and his conflicted feelings about the story she told. On the one hand, you know, Apollo shouldn't go around ravishing women. It's not good form, right? But on the other hand, who's to t- say that she's telling the truth? And he really, does, he really doesn't know how he should feel about this, right? So he exits into the temple as well. 
the chorus sings about what happened to Creusa, the pain of childbirth, the joy of children, and a bit of a hymn to Pan, since it was his cave where it all happened. Ion enters. A few lines later, Cuthus enters too. He is giddy when he sees Ion. He tells him that the oracle is the first man that the oracle said that the first man he meets when he exits the temple is his son, and Ion's that first one. Uh He's not sure who the boy's mother is, because he really can't remember siring some unknown son, but if that's what the oracle said, it must be true. And at first, Ion thinks that Kuthus is crazy, or drunk, or possibly both. Um, but eventually, the two men bond and decide that Ion will go home to Athens with them. But they decide they should keep their newly discovered uh, relationship a secret. And Kuthus says that he's going to name his son Ion. So the character that we have been calling Ion this whole time was unnamed up until this point. And the name makes sense. Ion means coming or going. And since Kuthus met him coming out of the temple, that's why he picked the name. Um, also, you may heard of the place called Ionia or the Ionian people or the Ionic, Ionic order of columns. And I will put a picture of the column. Uh, um, that style column on the on the blog yeah they're all named after ion um that's <laughs> he he this is why we know he's going to live because there will be a whole race named after him but i digress after a lengthy conversation they swear the chorus to secrecy which works exactly as well as you would expect um after kuthus and i an exit arm in arm the chorus sings about how much they hate kuthus for having cheated on creusa and sired ion even Though, if you think about it, Ion is older than their marriage. Um, Creusa enters along with an old man who is one of her father's servants. The chorus almost immediately tells them what happened. Creusa is livid. She's furious at Apollo for, you know, everything. She's furious at Kuthus for having a child without her. And she gets super helpful advice from the old man in the chorus and decides that her best recourse and revenge is to kill Ion. But... If she kills him in Athens, then everyone will know that it's a stereotypical jealous stepmother deal. So she has to kill him before they leave Delphi. And she knows just what to do. She has two vials. Each vial holds a single droplet of Gorgon blood. Um, like Medusa is a Gorgon, right? Okay. One drop contains the power to ward off disease and sustain life. It's this magic elixir. The other will kill you instantly. And Creusa just so happens to wear these vials on her bracelet, bracelet like you do. Uh, she gives the old man the vial with the poisonous blood drop and directs him to use it to kill Ion. Creusa exits one way and the old man another. The chorus sings a prayer for success in this murder plot. A different servant enters. He has bad news. The plot didn't go quite as planned. The old man managed to slip the poison into Ion's cup, but then everyone poured out libations, and this dove drank up some of the wine that Ion poured out and dropped dead. Creusa runs on, crying about how the jig is up, and now Ion is trying to kill her. She climbs onto the altar and clings to the effigy of Apollo in hopes of sanctuary. Ion enters. He and Creusa fight argue and just when it's getting really bad the Pythian priestess enters carrying a cradle. She tells Ion that it was his and it holds all of the things that he was found with and now that he's found his father 
this might help him find his mother. And together, they go through the items. And of course, Creusa recognizes them. She throws her arms around Ion, who is really confused why this woman he was trying to kill is now embracing him. And eventually, she convinces him that she is his mother, and they are happily reunited. There's just one thing that's confusing him. Who is his father? Is it Kuthus, like the oracle said, or is it Apollo, like Creusa says? Ion starts to exit into the temple, but is stopped when Athena appears above. She tells Ion the truth. He wasn't supposed to find out until they all got to Athens, but things just didn't go quite according to plan. But Athena approves of him, and he will become the ruler of Athens one day, and it's all good. Athena exits, Creusa, Ion, and their attendants process out, and the chorus sings a brief song of praise, and the play ends. This is one of the most complex of Euripides' plays. <laughs> Roche even describes it as being practically Shakespearean in the turns that the plot takes, which I, you know, I, I, I agree. Um, and that's also where all of the drama in the play comes from. As I noted in the prologue, Hermes tells the audience exactly what's going to come. He tells them that um, Creusa is going to try to kill Ion, that Ion's going to try to kill Creusa, and that it's all going to work out in the end. So if you are sitting in the audience, you know from, you know, about five minutes in what's going to happen in this play. And it's just that question of exactly, exactly how, how it will all play out, um, exactly how that will work out. Um, and and I, I don't know about you, but I can see why it might not have been well received when it premiered. Most of the commentary um, that you see about consent between gods and mortal women is modern. That is a very new thing that we talk about, that the gods were pretty rapey, right? Um, but this, <laughs> Euripides does not gloss over this, this story at all. The play, this play straight up calls, calls rape the assault that it is. Um, and, and actually the whole Apollo plotline maybe a fabrication by Euripides, um, something that he added to the mythology of Creusa and Ion and Cuthus and Athens and, you know, the whole Eric Theon um, mythology. Um, which, to me, it makes it kind of, um, it makes it even more impressive that a rape is called a rape um, if this wasn't part of the original mythology to begin with. Uh so, so this play really does fit into what we see Euripides um, doing in his repeated attacks on or organized religion. Um, but, but really, as far as the religion is concerned, it's Apollo that's problematic. Not not religion as a whole. It's specifically Apollo, um, the the Pythian prince, priestess, Apollo's oracle. She's still revered. She's she's presented very positively um and and this is really interesting to me because there was an oracle at Delphi before there was there was a temple to Apollo um you may remember something like that in the hymn to Apollo um 
So just like we see how Christianity co-opted traditions from the religions it replaced, hello, Saturnalia, uh, the Olympian, Olympian religions did the same thing. They co-opted these other traditions. Um, so there was a goddess cult in Delphi, um, Python, that was part of this this female cult and it was co-opted and subsumed into the later much more famous temple of apollo um but that's why the oracle was a woman she was a representative of that older feminine tradition um and she is presented here in a positive light but the god that replaced that tradition is presented in a, in a, ne- a negative one um and i don't know if that's purposeful um I'm not sure it really is, but looking at it today with the light of what we know of the entire history of, of the place of Delphi, um, that definitely stands out to me. Um, and before I leave the topic of religion, I do I do find Athena's deus ex machina to be amusing. She tells Apollo, tells them Apollo had a plan. He had it all worked out, how this was going to, you know, Ion was going to be revealed to be Creusa's son, and it was, he had this it was all worked out and then the mortals got involved and messed it all up um and this is and this is where it really jumps out as i said um said in the background information apollo never appears on stage he sends athena to talk to everyone he sends hermes to deliver the prologue the play is set at his temple but we never see him it is his actions that lead to ion being born but we never see Apollo. Um, however Euripides felt about religion in general, he clearly seems to have been disillusioned with Apollo by this point in his life. Um, okay, on to something more whimsical. In the summary, I skipped over the part where Hermes speaks of Delphi um, being the navel of the earth. Um, <laughs> and it, yes, it's the navel of the earth. I, it's just a great phrase. Um, there's a myth... Um, about Zeus trying to find the center of the earth. And it turns out that it's at Delphi. Uh, and there's even a stone that marks the spot. Um, that's also supposedly the stone that Kronos swallowed thinking it was Zeus and spit up, right? Um, yeah, the, the original, it, it's pretty amazing. It magnificent carvings. I mean, it's, it's a big stone. Um, <laughs> of course, Kronos was a big god. Um, that the original is now housed inside a museum to protect it from the elements. Um, but there is a replica um, outside where the original once stood. Um, and since it's a replica, you can touch that one. So you can say that you touched Zeus's navel. Why not? Um, <laughs> all the carvings. If 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 the replica had all of the carvings once that the uh, the original did, they are all completely worn off again from the elements, from people touching it. Um, you really aren't supposed to. You know, don't don't climb on the ruined walls. You just make them crumble even more. I I had an archaeology professor who I cannot tell you the number of times he stressed that to us. Um, if Giovanni Ciccolone is still alive there in Italy, um, he was wonderful wonderful professor to have. Um, I I enjoyed all of his classes. Anyway, um, but anyway, so yeah, so so this stone this stone is also Zeus's navel. So you can go to Delphi to see Zeus's navel. Um, because Delphi is the navel of the earth, the center of the earth, uh, according to Greek mythology. So what do you think of Ion, <laughs> um, the play overall, any of the characters in particular? 
come over to the blog and share your thoughts. The blog is at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. On Wednesday, we will read book 18 of the Odyssey. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.